Hi, I'm Laura Mize from TeachMeToTalk.com. Hi, I'm Kelly Hampton. Hi, this is Chip Gerhardt, Chairman of the Board of the National Down Syndrome Society. This is Rachel Coleman from Signing Time, and you're listening to Down Syndrome Radio. Down Syndrome Radio. Down Syndrome Radio. Down Syndrome Radio. Hello and welcome to uh, episode 23 of Down Syndrome Radio. Um, Mark Owens here with Jason Kosky and Rick Kosmowski. We're here to tell you about uh, the dad's perspective on raising kids with Down Syndrome. We have another super awesome guest for you tonight, but uh, uh, before we get to that, we thought we would do our little uh, uh, update from around the gang. We apologize. It's been a month or so since our big signing time episode, but uh, we're back here with, uh, with, some more, with some more good stuff for you, hopefully. How are things over there in Delaware there, Rick? Yeah, they're going great. We got a new intro, too. That's big news, right? Yeah, that was fantastic. fantastic. Awesome. That was Luke. <laughs> Every time I hear that. It right just, in there with Exalted Company. Smile. Yeah. So in Delaware, yeah, things are going great. I My son is one. He just turned one on the 26th. So uh, it's amazing. A year has gone by so fast. Dude, that's amazing. So Logan is one. Kayla's in second grade. Second grade is going amazing. I mean, uh, talking about school, the, the teachers really make a difference. And this year we have some amazing teachers. And uh, just my wife and I are really excited. And Kayla's really excited about school this year. So it's great. Oh, I love it when it all clicks. And you already know. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know immediately. It's mm. awesome. Mm. Good year to you, bud. Good year to you. What do you say, Jason? Oh, things are things are madness here in San Diego. Um <laughs> Uh, with everything in general, but I'll, I'll keep my update to, to relevant topics. Um, well, uh, let's see, early September, both uh, Dexter and Eloise started new schools on, on the same day, so that was an adventure. Um, Dexter started preschool at our YMCA, and it's it's going pretty well so far. He's, he's doing really great. Um it would be perfect if it weren't for, for a couple couple of biting incidents that, that we've had. But um, I think lots of two-year-olds... Were, were you giving or receiving? It, oh, giving. Oh, giving. <laughs> yeah, receiving. I, I, I don't even care about receiving. I remember when Eloise got bit one time, I was, like, horrified. And, and now it's, just like, being on the other end of that spectrum is, is just, as, just as frustrating and horrifying. <laughs> Because we're doing everything we can to, to try to, to avoid it. Um, and it seems to be going better in, the, in the, this last knock on wood somewhere. But this last week or so, it's been, been a lot better. So so it's good. I think it was a new environment, you know, kind of all kinds of new stimulus and all kinds of stuff. So he was uh, maybe a little, little, little too much at the beginning. But uh, it's going really well. Um, Not the first one, you know. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. My wife, my, my wife always tells me they called her the vampire when she was a little kid. <laughs> Maybe he's hungry. You got to give him more food. I know, I know. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. He he could eat like a champ. We had uh, problems with Luke with, with with Luke and biting, but he would only bite Kim because you know, with Dad, it only happens once. <laughs> <laughs> Dad bites back. Dad bites back. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not happening again. 
Uh, I can only teach the yeah. other kids to use that same tone of voice with them. It'd probably be fine. And so, uh, let's see. Also, last week here in San Diego was was the Everybody Plays. I, I, oh, I think it was last right. year that we talked to Colette yes, and Kelly yes. about that, or maybe the year before even. Um, that flies by. Oh my God! So how'd it but, go? So that was oh, it was great. It was it was great. I mean, I didn't. I, I kind of wrangle our mm-hmm. children and do these things because it's basically like Colette is not. It's basically like she's traveling for for a few days because she's so busy with that. Uh, but we did attend like the family dinner kind of thing, wrap up party, um, and it was great. Met a met a bunch of families and and Kelly again, um, and uh, yeah, just a, a whole bunch of people, and it was it was really great, really well received. The pictures looked pretty good. I saw a few. Did you of gotta them. put something up on uh, downright awesome? We should. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly posted a video um, that she took uh, on her blog. So excellent, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, you check it out. It's, it's just a it's just a really great event, and and it's you know, it's kind of hectic. Did she bring her daughter? Yeah. Did Kelly Kelly Hampton bring her daughter? Not this year. She brought her son. She has a geez, I'm not even sure how old he is six 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 months eight, right eight, right maybe yeah. So she brought him, and then the girl stayed at home this this year. So okay okay. Well, uh, yeah, that was crazy, and um, I don't know. That's about it, I guess. Getting up. Ready for the buddy walk? Yeah, I would say that uh, back to school is our excuse for probably not having an episode for a month or so. Uh, yeah. It is always a super busy time. Although I, I gotta admit, I, I, first of all, I love fall as a season, but uh, you know, getting the kids back to school and having a um, routine is is just so so nice after the summer. You know, and, and having them embedded a decent hour uh, has really been great. So you know. Uh, Luke's talking like a like a madman. That uh, recording at the top of the show is definitely a year or two, maybe more old. Uh, he can't shut him up. He, you know, he can't understand everything he says. But uh, it's crazy how much he talks now. Uh, he's in a new school. Uh, he did not go to kindergarten. We held him back, and uh, he's doing fantastic. He's also playing soccer. Um, life's pretty good. That's all. I, that's all I got to say here in Richmond. Great. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, uh, you guys ready for our uh, uh, our super guest? Bring it I'm on! Excited. I'm excited. All right. Our uh, our guest is a is a fellow podcaster. Uh, he is from the uh, Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. He is the medical director of the Down Syndrome Center. The podcast has essentially the same name. It gets called Down Syndrome Center of Western Pennsylvania podcast. I uh, presume that's sponsored by the uh, by the hospital itself. It's Dr. Kishore Velodi. Welcome, Kishore. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Yeah. Well, the first thing we always ask is about is about your family. You mentioned a bunch of kids running around in your house. What? Uh, oh what, yeah. What do you have for uh, yeah. ages and whatnot? Yeah. So we have uh, my wife and I. We have uh, four kids. We've got the oldest. Oldest one is nine. She's. Uh, what is she in third, fourth grade now? And then I have a second grade girl and a uh, first grade girl. And then rounding it out at the end is a, a little guy, five year old boy. And uh, boy, he's uh, boys are different. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he keeps uh, he keeps us on our toes. They sucker punch you, you know, girl, girl, oh, girl. Man. You were all ready for another one, and then bam. Well, we 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 actually brought him into the family by adoption, so we knew what we were getting oh, into. Look at that. We, we, <laughs> which makes it even more uh yeah more for you just the thought of having three older sisters oh my gosh he's doomed yeah 
Oh yeah, okay. and you know he's just a, he's a ladies' man at school. So mm. you know, because that, that's all he knows is working working here with the girls. So he just goes to school and he plays with all the girls. So <laughs> okay, that's not a bad thing. No, no, not at all. What uh, what got you? Uh, I'm assuming is is somehow your specialty Down syndrome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's not really a specialty like you have to do any right. extra training or anything for it. I'm a general pediatrician, and um, uh, that uh, interest in Down syndrome just uh, um, you know came about through some family uh, relationships. My brother has Down syndrome, and so he and I are really close in age. And so when I grew up, uh, you know, his friends were my friends, and my friends were his friends. And so you know, even though I don't have the extra chromosome, I think. Uh, Sometimes a lot of my mannerisms might reflect that I do. Hey, but, that's, that's between how the two, I up. between the two, you only have half an extra chromosome. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's how I got excited about uh, you know being a doctor in general. And then uh, uh, you know in two thousand nine, uh, Dr. Bill Cohen, who was uh, really one of the world's experts in Down syndrome, uh, he was the director of the center here in Pittsburgh, and he passed away all of a sudden, and they they said. Uh, well, what are we going to do? Who's going to want to take over a center? Who's going to want to take over a Down syndrome center? And I said, I'll do it. <laughs> so uh, it all worked out. It's just, uh, you know, it is, it, is, uh, it is what it is. You know, I wish I could have come into the center a little bit of a different way. But, um, you know, after Dr. Cohen passed, I think uh, from wherever he is, he is smiling right now. So, <laughs> Oh, I'll bet he is. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's amazing how things work out that way, you know. And you're just, yeah, yeah. The way, here you are, you're doing this amazing work. And uh, I don't know. I'm really happy that you're on with us today. But it's weird to hear you say "Call Me Kishore" because you listen to your podcast. I'm thinking, Doctor Velody, and I I saw you. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but he spoke at the uh, convention over the summer as well. Yeah. And uh, and there's a nice series on the podcast of uh of all the the whole time you spoke at the convention. So it's awesome to have you here. I'm looking forward to hearing all the things you have to cover and and the things we can talk about. So awesome. So, so what sort of uh, um, you know special services does the uh, um, Children's Hospital provide in the uh, um, the Down Syndrome Center? So, this uh, idea of of having a Down Syndrome Center is somewhat new. Uh, in that, um, you know, our center was made in 1989, actually, and it's kind of cool in that it was created by parents. It was created by parents of kids with Down Syndrome who recognized that you know as good as their local pediatricians. Were and they're really good here in Pittsburgh. Um, you just can't become an expert in something if you don't see it very frequently. And just by percentages alone, a, a, a pediatrician usually, even if they're the, a really busy pediatrician, they might only have about three or four kids that they see every year with Down syndrome. So it gets really hard to know: is that something I need to be worried about? Is this something that you see in Down syndrome? They don't. They don't know. And so the families actually, from a grassroots type of effort in the late '80s, started. Uh, deciding that they wanted to find a, 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 a doctor and, a, and a, a clinic that would be able to help take care of their kids. And so, um, so they created it, and uh, it's funny because that system still remains in place today in that you know, because of the donations that we get, we're able to keep doing what we do because the reality is in medicine, you know, insurance companies telling you, go see a patient every 15 minutes and you know, see 50, 60 kids in a day and uh, don't spend much time with each of them because that's just the nature of medicine. But you come and see me in the Down Syndrome Center and I'm just sitting there and put my feet up and we're just chatting. And, uh, and, you know, we spend an hour, hour and a half sometimes on 
uh, with each family. And the reason is that my time is bought. It's bought by the families. It's bought by the parents. And so I'm not on hospital time when I'm doing Down's Clinic. I'm, I'm on their time. And you get to be that centralized repository for all of that experience of not just, you know, a couple of kids a year, but yeah. probably hundreds or probably more. Yeah, we see about 450 kids a year with Down syndrome, and uh, you get used to it. You know, after, you know, you see your eight, you know, three-month-old, you say, you know what, your kid's right on track for three months. Or, you know, we need to check this out. You know, that's not something we usually see at four years old or something like that. And, uh, you know, it gives us that comfort level. And I think also the, the experience just family-wise, you know, I've, I've, I've seen every, you know, thing that, you know, it, it, at least you know, from my brother's friends or whatever, every movement that they'll do every time they get excited and they flap their arms around, you know, they, other pediatricians might look at that and say, oh, those are seizures. We need to send you to neurology. And I look at that and I do it with them because, you know, it's yeah. excitement. Right. And, it's uh, bird imitations, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love what I do. I think, um, you know, it's giving back uh, to my brother who's given me so much. So it, it, it makes me excited to go to work in the morning. Do you see him still? Is oh, he yeah. Still you know, he's, he's, he actually lives in Chicago, and that's where I'm from originally. And uh, but we talk all the time, and uh, you know he's uh, he and I he and I are still still best buds. Don't tell my wife, but yeah, <laughs> my brother and I we're still best buds. You know we we talk all the time. Um, so t- tell me what got you started to do a, to do a podcast. I I'm a huge podcast listener. I mean, I my my phone is full of podcasts. It always has been. Uh, it started because when I moved out here to Pittsburgh, all my sports ties were still in Chicago, and so. It's really hard to find Chicago sports radio in Pittsburgh, and so <laughs> I started podcasting all my favorite sports radio sites. And you then, have to you like know, in in Pittsburgh. You must have to be sure nobody else overhears, or you'll get big trouble. Oh man, especially yeah. last week, last weekend when the Bears played the, the Steelers. Yeah, I, I actually went to that game here in Pittsburgh, and boy, that was an experience walking in there with Bears jerseys on and whatnot. But it was fun. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to keep keep in touch with your, you know, your your boyhood team, and you can't do that without podcasting these days. So. I got about a half hour commute to work, and I, I spend a lot of time listening and and uh, you know thinking about you know different podcasts that I might want to be interested in and stuff like that. So that's how I got interested in podcasting. And you know, as I was um, talking to families, and I was realizing that you know most of my families are, are of course younger. I mean, the parents are usually you know in their thirties, maybe forties, and you know they're in that generation that likes to use their phones for stuff and. I just started asking around, you know, would it be something interesting to you to have a podcast? And almost universally, it was, yeah, I mean, we would love to have more information. So I said, well, let me find you some podcasts. And I went on and I searched iTunes for Down Syndrome and I found your podcast and I found some old defunct ones that really aren't updated right, anymore. Right, yeah. And uh, realized there really was, I mean, I love what you guys do, but there really wasn't anything purely from a medical perspective for families to kind of get short bursts of information about different medical topics and so that's where it started earlier this year you know and how hard is it to remember what the doctor says oh it's yeah right there, you know and having <laughs> yeah. us to play back is fantastic i'm yeah. so glad you did it yeah you know what's really cool is as i'm sitting there in the in the office of family will say oh you know what do you think about i can't remember what you said about sleep apnea i said you know what i'm gonna put it in the note but also listen to the podcast and you know and it's like it, it gives me another way of, of continuing the conversation even after the visit which i think is uh uh, you know, a neat, a neat part of it too. Plus, yeah, it so makes we put you it hip. up on the on the hospital website. It's um, uh, www.chp.edu/dscpodcast, and um, 
uh, it's available for free for anybody, or you could search on iTunes and uh, and pick it up from there. But uh, yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I mean, I think we've had almost four thousand downloads now since February, and uh, you know, thirty-five countries or something like that. Kind of kind of strange countries that don't speak English are listening to the podcast. I think that's kind of cool. Sure, that's <laughs> like that's the most powerful part, right? You know, people. You, you become used to having a resource like a Down syndrome clinic near your house or a hospital that can support you. And, then, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't have that around them. And look at yeah. this information. Here it is right at your fingertips. Yeah. That, awesome. So, so now I was able to figure out what's in the picture from your, uh, from your background that you gave me. That's right. Yeah, the, the, the podcast picture, uh, we've had families ask, you know, who are those kids? And What's with the seventy sofa, as you guys asked earlier before we started recording? Oh, it's awesome! That's, it's a it's a memory bringer backer. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's me and my brother, and you know the the shirt if, uh, that I'm wearing in that picture. I'm the one with the big ears. You know, he's uh, he's the one with Down syndrome. I'm the one with the huge ears in that picture. And uh, the the funny thing is, I I asked my mom the last time I went home. I said, you know, I think that's really cool that you put me in a shirt. That says, you know, a beautiful child, so that I knew that I was a special kid too. <laughs> and she said, "No, man, that was a that was a hand me down." <laughs> so, so that was it. So he was a special child. So I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's She's good. Like, that was your fourth shirt of the day. Exactly. <laughs> right, because you had to keep that chair clean. <laughs> oh yeah. <sighs> oh, classic. <laughs> And does the chair exist? And how can we get it? Right. I don't think that. Cha- I think that chair is long gone. <laughs> I think I saw it in a Starsky and Hutch episode myself. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, what did you guys want to talk about? Uh, I mean, I had some ideas, but I always tend to dominate things. So let's throw some topics at the doctor. Awesome. Um, well, what, do you, what are you seeing as the, as the thing people are asking you the most about uh, lately with, at the clinic? What's the, what's the hot topic? I guess the hot topic just in general within uh, all of us who take care of kids with Down syndrome and, uh, and even the parents is the new guidelines that came out in, in August 2011 um, that, that were specific for the care of kids with Down syndrome. That was the first update that we've had in about 12 years. So a lot of research had come into play that hadn't really gone into a guideline yet and so in 2011 when they updated the guidelines it was definitely in need but the biggest part of the guideline I think that's been the hardest part for a lot of families and their kids is the um, that sleep studies are now recommended for all kids with Down syndrome by the age of four because sleep apnea we know is so common and the hard part with that is you know if you don't live in an area like a big city uh, where they have a pediatric sleep center you know, good luck trying to find a, a place that will do a sleep study on a child, let alone a child who may have a lot of facial sensitivities because of the Down syndrome. And, um, and so, so that part of the guideline is a big question for a lot of families who say, well, how's my kid ever going to get a sleep study done? You know, he hates going to the barber for a haircut. How's he going to have EEG leads on his head? And, and then even for us as doctors, you know, how are we possibly going to get the, uh, the kids who live in the middle of rural somewhere how are they going to get a sleep study? And, and so these are some questions that we're still trying to answer as a medical community, but, but it, hits, it hits home for the families, too. And I think that's been the biggest question of, you know, how important is this, Doc? And, you know, what are we going to do about it even if he has sleep apnea and things like that? So hey. I know, you know some of your kids are uh, uh, at that age, but some of your kids are a little bit younger. But, yeah, it's a big, it's a big question. Hey, uh, with the sleep apnea, you know, we, ha- we had the sleep study, and uh, Luke didn't have it. Uh, he slept perfectly. But um, 
what are the implications of if you turns out you do have sleep apnea that you you know what what are the impacts that you're trying to avoid by catching it early? Yeah, you know, we used to think <clears throat> just in, in pediatrics in general, we used to think that sleep apnea is kind of no big deal. You know, like grandpa snores. Well, you know what, his grandson snores too, and it's no big deal. But the but the thing is that we found over time is that in sleep apnea that starts in kids especially, <clears throat> your body is chronically oxygen-deprived then overnight. And so because of that, your body goes through like compensatory mechanisms. Like it's as if you're living in you know, high altitude all the time because you're so oxygen-deprived every time you go to sleep. So your body kind of revs up its uh, you know, hemoglobin production. You start to, you start to um, uh, be like those athletes that go to train in Denver for the Olympics or something like that when really you're not living you know, probably in that area. And what that does is, if it's chronic like that, over time it can lead to higher pr uh, pressures in your lungs. And your blood has to pump from your heart to your lungs, and so it puts then backward pressure on your heart, and then you get changes in your heart that you don't really want. And so you can get some irreversible changes to your heart and lung anatomy just from having untreated sleep apnea. And then we're finding that <clears throat> a lot of kids have behavioral problems that are maybe diagnosed as ADHD or some sort of, you know, behavior outbursts and really what it is, it's a chronically sleep deprived child because of their sleep apnea. Even though their eyes are closed, their brain keeps waking up uh, to keep them breathing over through the night. And so behavioral problems are something we see. We even see growth <clears throat> suppression in kids who have untreated sleep apnea. So uh, they, uh, they may not reach the final height that they could have reached had their sleep apnea been treated. So Lots of things like that that can go into uh, untreated wow. sleep apnea. I was going to make a joke about you know us all knowing what sleep deprived felt like, but it sounds like it's kind of serious. Yeah, it definitely can be. It definitely can be. Yeah, we got a uh, we just Kayla's sleep study. She was diagnosed with moderate, and uh, we have a recommendation for tonsils and adenoids to be removed. So I think that's the next step for us before you do. I think the mask or things along those lines. That's right. I mean, they usually start with that. <coughs> the problem is with in, in kids without Down syndrome who have sleep apnea, if you d take their tonsils and adenoids out, about 90% of the time they're going to be cured from their sleep apnea. That's the end of that. But in kids with Down syndrome, because there's probably even more areas of obstruction even beyond the tonsils and adenoids, those are only about 50% curative in kids with Down syndrome. And then you still have another half of the kids then that still have sleep apnea, even though you had them go through the tonsils and adenoids. And so that's another reason why the sleep apnea recommendation is a little bit controversial. Sorry, the controversial is because the, uh, uh, the, the treatment for it in Down syndrome is very difficult. It is still, the first step is still tonsils and adenoids, but then, again, you still have about half the kids that are still going to need some other treatment, be it another surgery to find another area of obstruction, or maybe the, sleep, the, the CPAP mask like you were talking about. Um, sure. I'm looking up for that um, uh, document that you said came out. Is it Pediatrics Official Journal of the Academy of Pediatrics yep. Health Supervision yeah, for Children with Down Syndrome? I'm gonna make sure to put that in the a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, it's in uh, in the August 2011 um, um, uh, journal of the pediatrics. And actually, there's a um, just recently they um, uh, released parent. Uh, like parent translated guidelines essentially so even for those not medically oriented um, they they have translated the guidelines into 
a parent handout. Now, I'll have to figure out where exactly that ended up going, but this just came out within the last month um, where uh, the, the, a, a group uh, out of Indianapolis put together parent uh, guidelines as well. Well, uh, Rick, that was an awesome question. So I, I kind of <laughs> like the idea of because you see so many kids coming up with something that's kind of a trend, is there anything else like that, Doctor? Uh, I mean, like a like a new trend, not not quite, not not so much actually. I mean, there's um, here I, actually. As I was talking to you, I was somewhat cheating and trying to find it. It's actually at healthychildren.org, where you can find the um, parent healthcare guidelines. So, um, healthychildren is all one word. dot org, and then just type Down syndrome into the search field, and then you'll find the um, the parent guidelines as well. So. As far as other trends that we're seeing, in terms of medical stuff, I mean, it's, it's pretty much, you know, a, a long trend, I guess we could say, you know, dating back into the, you know, the end of the last, uh, you know, decade or was, was really the way that we treat kids with Down syndrome has changed uh, over the last, I'd say, 10, 20 years or so. You know, it used to be until really the early 80s that, if your child with Down syndrome had a heart condition, let's say, that needed a surgery, the doctors would say, sorry, no surgeries, your child has Down syndrome. And that's a really sad commentary <laughs> wow. on where medicine was. And now, of course, that's not the case. And in fact, they just recently have released some studies that have shown that kids with Down syndrome actually do better in terms of recovery from certain cardiac surgeries than kids without. And uh, I, I just think that's... Uh, a really amazing uh, testimony to say, you know, here's here's a group of kids that weren't even offered heart surgery, and now we have stuff coming out saying, you know, actually they do better sometimes. I, I think that's a neat, uh, a, a neat way that our kids have, again, shown how they're more resilient than we thought. Now, one question I always wanted to ask with the heart defects and the, and the surgeries is, uh, you know, the thought of heart surgery scares the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. So, you know, what, what are the, um, let's say, I, I don't know, the... the the chances of some sort of problem occurring during something like that. It's really important that wherever you get, you know, if your child needs to have heart surgery, wherever you get it done, that you really ask tough questions to the people who are going to be doing the surgery. You know, how many of these have you done? How equipped is your hospital in terms of is there a cardiac intensive care unit where if things, you know, if, if they need a little bit extra support, uh, are they, is that going to be available at the hospital where you get it done? And, uh, you know, are the cardiac surgeons skilled at what they do? What are their outcomes? All, all heart centers keep track of those types of numbers. Oh, 99.7% of our kids do great with this particular surgery. I mean, they, they, keep, they keep numbers like that because it's how they, uh, um, you know, show how the quality of the care that they provide. And then beyond that, some other areas that people don't even think about are the uh, anesthesiologists, are they pediatric trained? Are they used to dealing with kids with Down syndrome as well? Because the anesthesia um, risks are different in kids with Down syndrome. And there are certain types of anesthesia you would use in, in uh, kids with Down syndrome that, you know, if you're not used to working with kids uh, with Down syndrome, you may not know that you're supposed to be using those types of anesthetics and things like that. So uh, my suggestion to families always is make sure you're comfortable with the people you're um, uh, getting the surgery from uh, both the hospital setting and also the doctors who are going to be and nurses who are going to be working with your child. Yeah, that anesthesia thing was something I wasn't really prepared for. So when yeah. Kayla had her biopsy for um, celiac, it took her a 
long time to come out of it. And she was grotting like a, in a different place for a while. It almost took a day like to wear off. So mm. yeah, it's something to prepare yourself if you're, if you're in that situation where you're going to use anesthesia for something. Yeah, there, there are definitely anesthetics that kids with Down syndrome tend to be a little bit more sensitive to. Um, and you're right, sometimes it does take a little while to wear off. Sometimes there can be a lot of nausea and vomiting even more maybe than other kids. You know, it's funny, you were talking about things that you, you don't really think about, but, um, you know, things that uh, our kids with Down syndrome are, are strengths from a medical perspective, like, you know, uh, recovering from that surgery or something uh, more simple, like uh, not getting as many cavities. I thought that yeah. was like a surprise. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm hard on her for brushing her teeth every night, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, you might, you might be okay. <laughs> So. It, 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 it's, it's definitely a reduced risk for, for cavities for kids with Down syndrome. Not zero. We still, we still get our Mike Tyson mouths, you know, in our, in our <laughs> clinic too. I mean, with all the teeth capped and whatnot. But, the, um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, a less incidence. And also, and also some other things that, I mean, they never tell you this stuff when, you're, when your kids are first born. You know, I'm sure you guys remember how you were told. And if you're like 95% of the people, you know, it wasn't a gr the greatest experience in the world. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think uh, is important for families to know when you know, is is there's actually health benefits to the extra chromosome. You know, kids with Down syndrome they don't get uh, atherosclerosis, which is those uh, plaques, the cholesterol plaques in the in the arteries around their heart. You know, the things that give uh, right. people heart attacks and whatnot. They don't get those. We don't know why, but we know the only difference between them and us is that extra. 21st chromosome, so there must be something on that chromosome that's uh, protective. And so, you know, the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, funds studies to find out, well, what is it that they've got so that people like us can, you know, eat all the tacos and whatever else that we want, have cholesterol as high as we want, and we won't have a heart attack. They don't get hypertension. They don't get high blood pressure. We don't know why. They, you know, they don't get uh, solid organ tumors. So, that means like, you know, brain cancer, liver cancer, you know, small intestinal cancer, you know, when you talk about celiac, they just don't seem to get those, uh, at least not nowhere near the frequency that, uh, you know, we have, we, who don't have Down syndrome. And so, uh, and I think those are some really amazing things. Uh, you know, we talk about all the things they're at higher risk for, but my goodness, there's some things that, you know, it's kind of it's cool to know that oh, I don't have to check the cholesterol, he's going to be fine, that kind of thing. So cholesterol could still be high, but the plaque just doesn't grow. It just doesn't form, yeah. Doesn't. Yeah. And nobody knows why. And again, all of these are active areas of research. You know, how can I smoke, you know, two packs a day and not get lung cancer? There must be something on the 21st chromosome <laughs> that, uh, you know, the, the, the tobacco companies would love to find. You right. know what I mean? There's, there's, there's <laughs> a funding source for you. Yeah. <laughs> You know that's something that uh, uh, it's not necessarily medical in nature, but the you know the funding of research in Down syndrome is something that uh, we always point out. It's so underfunded compared to other uh, um, uh, you know other genetic disorders compared to the number of uh, people affected. You have any opinions on that, or or does 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 your um, um, hospital do some research as well, or anything like that? I, I have I have pretty. Strong opinions on that, and I think most people who work with kids with Down syndrome have the same opinion, which is it's a sad commentary on what we fund and what we don't fund for research. And uh, you know, here, here's a group of people that you know offer us so much in terms of a society, you know, in 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 so many different ways. Yet when it comes to research dollars, we just we don't respect them in the same way that maybe we do 
some of the other conditions that are out there. And, um, you know, I think uh, uh, a lot of, uh, of the way that scientists probably think is, you know, well, here we've got a condition that, um, uh, you know, with all this new prenatal testing, I guess that's a hot-button topic we could have yeah, talked about earlier, Yeah, we can too. talk about that. But, yeah, but with all this prenatal testing, there's this thought that, well, Down syndrome may not be around for much longer. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the mentality that a scientist might take to that. And um, I disagree. I mean, I think that there are several, you know, more, there are way, way more people who would uh, maybe know the diagnosis is coming, but yet not choose to terminate the pregnancy uh, than, than scientists are really giving them credit for. But I think that general mentality might affect some of the funding. Um, and then we've tended to be, as, as a community of people who have family members with Down syndrome, we've tended to be too quiet. You know, I think we, we take that, men, you know, that mentality too much. I mean, you, you talk to people who are families of people with CF or, or some of the other higher funded uh, cystic fibrosis or some of the other higher funded uh, research, they, they're very, they have a very active uh, campaign to keep that research alive. We're just now getting started to do it right. But, um, so I, I think there's a, a real hope for turnaround, but boy, it's going to be a little while. Well, I, I think the, the view that needs to be changed is the, you know, there was this, okay, so there's an extra chromosome in every single cell in the body. You know, yeah. what are you going to just do that many surgeries or whatever? And this, you know, presumption that it could not be cured, uh, but at the same time, you know, there are certain parts of it, you know, the cognitive disability, which is the, probably the most important to, to myself personally, and I guess most people, that, they, that they've proven that they can work on. So I think we need to change from a, a mode of acceptance of just saying, well, you know, the, our children are just a little different, that they're good in their own way, whatever, to saying, hey, okay, you know, for 99% of that's true, but if there were a few things you could fix, yeah. you know, uh, cognitive delay being one of them, then let's get on it. Yeah, yeah, and I think the way that we approach research now, if you look at when the, when the scientific papers come out on Down syndrome, it's, it's, it's not what you would see in other conditions. For example, it'll say, you know, 10 patients with Down syndrome were studied and, you know, seven got better. I, I don't know as a doctor what to do with that. I mean, that's only 10 patients. And what we need to do, and we're starting to do really much more now, uh, is create registries uh, of, of patients where families say, I want my child uh, to be in a registry so that if there's research projects, we can, you know, now instead of saying there were 10 patients and 7 got better, we can say there were 1,000 patients in this study and 980 got better with this treatment. We'd say, oh, wow, that's a treatment we should be doing. We, we need to have that kind of uh, collaboration between different centers and also just nationally in general, being able to to share patients. You know, I, I have uh, a couple of studies that we're involved in now that I'm not specifically doing myself, but we're, we're enrolling families that come to the center and we say, you know, if you're interested, there's a study going on right. at such and such a location, and they say, oh, yeah, we'd be interested. But it's, all, it's all word of mouth because there's exactly. no registry. So, so that's, the, that's the big thing that's, that's happened right. since we last talked. I don't know if you guys, right. is, is the, the DS Connect registry through the NIH and it's open now and I think it's, it's a controversial talk, topic for some parents but from uh, for me myself I think it's a no-brainer that we want to get as much information out there so people can access it and you know you can participate in studies like that and we know what the population uh, you know looks like and all demographics and background and now everybody is uh, you know different things to make 
you who you are. And um, I don't know, uh, Dr. Velody, you probably are, are thinking, um, I'm thinking you're thinking that this is a great thing that we need to get people to sign up for something like that or just have their name out there. I mean, I, I think anything, anything that furthers the research uh, into helping people with Down syndrome live better lives, I'm all for it. I think, uh, you know, a, a, a research registry if it's if it's done correctly and it, uh, is is uh, you know with all count confidentiality and all that kind of stuff uh, taken into account, which you would assume a national registry would do, um, I think I think it can lead to hopefully some invaluable research by some of the researchers that are out there. So so obviously you know we're all for this, and the one thing that uh, you pointed out was that the site separates usernames from their health information so that individuals may compare their health information with that of other participants in an anonymous manner. This is the NIH's Eunice Kennedy Shriver National Institute of Child Health and Human Development, DS Connect. Maybe we'll put a link for that too, I suppose. Sure. That's great. I don't know, one little thing about that that was cool is I, when we sign up for the registry, it like has a map and it just shows, it doesn't give you any personal information about people, it just shows where other people around the country have signed up for the registry. There's like little, little you know, dots all over the map. So it's a pretty cool thing to see. I have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky's uh, always on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> we should be first adopters. Yeah. So I have a question. We we um, spoke a little bit earlier about back to school and cold season, and um, I don't know about you guys, but but. Dexter, when, when he seems to get a cold, it always seems to just last a little bit longer and be a little bit harder to, to get rid of and go a little bit further, you know, into his ears and things like that. Um, so what, what what are some of the, you know, things that we can do to, I mean, I, we're not going to avoid that, but um, to, to kind of keep it from progressing. Yeah, that's to a that tough level. question. It's a tough question because a lot, uh, there, there, there's definitely a immune issue in people with Down syndrome. Their immune system just doesn't seem to be as effective at clearing infections, whether it be a virus or a bacteria, as compared to other kids. <clears throat> and nobody really understands it completely. Uh, we just know that it's there. And then at the same time, for many of the kids, the anatomy of the facial structures, it tends to be a little bit tighter in there. And so drainage of, of the sinus cavities or of the ears uh, or... Um, uh, you know, uh, just just being able to, to clear out that stuff is a lot harder. And so they, the infections tend to fester a little bit longer. The hard part for the doctor then is to figure out, is this a viral infection, meaning it's not going to get better with anti any better any faster with antibiotics or without, um, mm -hmm. or is it uh, a bacterial infection where, yes, of course you should use antibiotics. And so... We tend to make an arbitrary cutoff. If the symptoms are getting worse and have been present for at least 10 days, then we should probably think about antibiotics in those situations. If the, if the runny nose is just a little bit of watery stuff coming out of the nose, but, you know, get it better or about the same as it was when it first started, we always we try to let it ride a little bit longer because there are side effects to antibiotics, and you, of course, just want to avoid them if you can. Um, so... Uh, so, so the, the, the prevention part is the simple stuff they've been doing for 100 years. Hand washing, you know, as much as possible, depending on the age of the kid, uh, you know, telling them not to share the snots, <laughs> as gross as that sounds. 
but you know, uh, making sure that they don't, you know, wipe one nose uh, and wipe their own nose afterwards, uh, you know, I think is an important thing. Um, and then, uh, uh, if if there is a concern that there's recurrent colds, I, I think it's a good idea for those kids to get evaluated by a ear, nose, and throat doctor to make sure that they don't have big adenoids. Adenoids are like tonsil tissue that live right behind your nose. And if those get really big, it further impairs the drainage of your sinus cavity. And I've seen some kids who, uh, once their adenoids come out, their recurrent sinus issues get better. So that's another area that you might want to be thinking about, too. Yeah, we, lost a, we lost a week of school already oh, this year because of that. Wow. It's, it's, and every year, you know, I think we get like at least one or two weeks of school missed because of this and you know it's it's good to hear you say that i mean you have the cleanliness thing and the the just the anatomy and what about a, is, is our vitamins or or supplements have anything to do with your ability to build up your immunity or is that i mean everybody says nothing's proven so is it more you know, just eating the, your vegetables or what do you what do you think about that you know a, a, a healthy diet a, a balanced diet i think is really an important part of maintaining your health the hard part is for many of my friends with Down syndrome, it's really hard for them because they don't like <laughs> the vegetables and they don't like the fruits because maybe the textures aren't what they you know prefer and things like that. Or maybe there's a chewing, swallowing problem or something. And so getting a balanced diet into them can sometimes be harder than you might expect. And so um, there probably is a role in maybe like a, a daily multivitamin or something like that. You, you will find, and I'm sure you guys uh, have probably come across, there's, there's a lot of uh, folks out there who will <clears throat> sell like vitamin supplements that are um, intended or, or specific for Down syndrome, as they call it. And we, we, we get a little bit cautious about that, just because none of those have really been studied in any effective way. Essentially, many of the times it's uh, uh, what we call a case report, where the, you know, you'll say, oh, your, your child has been on this... Uh, uh, vitamin supplement thing, and and then they'll say, yeah, and you know, and he was two, and he wasn't talking, and now he's two and a half, and he's talking, and you can sit there and say, well, was that the vitamin, or was that just kind of the progress in Down syndrome, and and so you know, without the vitamin, he would have done the same thing. You, you really can't say without uh, having more, you know, data behind it, and so we don't really recommend those, um, you know, uh, supplements just because we. We don't really know what's in them many times. They, many times they come from other countries where, the, you know, of course, there's no FDA type of thing. And, uh, and, and, and so we don't really know exactly what's in them. There have been some really scary stories about supplements that have come from across some borders somewhere. And, you know, they've had ADHD medications kind of laced into them. And so it, they were being sold as a, a behavior-modifying vitamin. But in the meantime, you were actually giving your kids ADHD meds and you didn't know it. Oh, and I man. think that's important to to keep in mind as well. So here, here's a question that might help Jason out. You know, with my with my older kids, when they first started going to preschool or daycare or whatever, of course they got sick all the time. But eventually they kind of, you know, would be the word, they toughened up. <laughs> they they had gotten their immune system all geared up, and now my older kids, they don't they don't get sick much at all. Mm. Is that also happened with our children? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, in fact, uh, you know, when they've when they've studied just kids in general. You know, you you, we, you talk about you know this. The, my kids were all stay at home with their mom kind of thing, and now when they go to school, my goodness, they pick up everything because when they were staying at home and not in the daycare setting, they were not getting sick very often. And there's been studies that have shown the kids who get go to daycare 
they get sick a lot during daycare. But then as they get to first, second, third grade, their illnesses become much less frequent because they've seen that stuff before when they were younger. And so, yeah, there is some role in kind of the, the, the dirty hypothesis. You know, if you, get, if, you get, if you let your kids get a little bit dirty, it may not be so bad um, because it might actually protect them from uh, illness later on in life. It's just hard for them to deal with it when they're smaller, I think. Uh, so there's no right or wrong answer to that question. We were um, here's this is for Jason and Mark too. Watch out with that sm with that that small uh, like sinus cavity area or something. I don't know. Kayla gets a sinus infection. She wakes up in the morning, and it looks like she has pink eye, but it's really there's nowhere for all that stuff to go except outer eyes. So you huh. get all this goop coming out through like your eyes, and I'm thinking, what is all this yellow stuff? And Amy's like, it's it's jammed up in there. There's nowhere else for it to go. So wow. Well, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You're not, that's exactly you're not right. Ready for that. <clears throat> yeah, tear tear duct obstruction is pretty common in, in kids with Down syndrome, and you know they tend to have a little bit narrower tear ducts. It's uh, hard for me to show kind of over a phone like this, but you know your 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 tears are actually made on the on the upper outer portion of your eyes, and then they you know they wash over your eyes, and then they drain out through the middle part of your eye into your nose. That's why when you cry. You get you get a runny nose. You know, tears come out your nose. Um, but if you have a tear duct obstruction, it it can't go through those tubes. And then the same thing happens if you get a lot of congestion in your nose. It's got no. It even plugs it up even more, and out comes the kind of grossness out through the uh, <laughs> through those tear ducts right out the middle part of the eye. Again. I can so, I can picture it now. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, oh, now, uh, now 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 let me blow your eye. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then you're trying to tell school, no, just get the stuff he knows. That's all. Yeah. Okay, right. She's out of here. <laughs> you, can you can can you write Rick a note, Doctor? Yeah, Cole? right. I, should, I probably should. <laughs> uh, hey, I, I I had two more um, questions on my list that Kim that Kim asked me to do. That's my wife. Um, yeah. She wants to know about the um, and I don't I don't have the word right. The axial anterior stability, the neck yeah. thing. Yeah. And her specific question was. Uh, you know, uh, at least the previous wisdom was if you got tested when you were a certain age, which was pretty young, you know, like then they, they just knew that you didn't have it. But, uh, you know, she's heard some people that's not like a, a, like you said, like a statistical sampling or whatever, who got tested again just because they were nervous about playing sports or whatever. And when they got tested again, they, they tested positive, even though I had tested negative before. Can you... It's that it's called atlanoaxial instability. It's got a big, the big long word. Essentially, you know, Atlas, um, which uh, if you recall from your Greek mythology, Hercules, I believe yeah. he he held he holds the world, right? Right. Hercules and, had to do it as one of his tasks. Yeah, yeah. And so, so the Atlas is in the body is your first uh, uh, neck bone, your first vertebrae in your neck, and it holds your head up essentially. So it's like Atlas holding the world up. And then, then the axis is the next vertebra down, um, and it has a little bit of like a, a little finger projection that, that sticks upward. And so your, your, your atlas, your first vertebra, can sit on that and kind of rotate, which is why you, can ha you turn your head from one side to the other, because it's rotating on that joint between the uh, atlas and the, and the uh, axis. So it's atlantoaxial instability when that gets a little bit loose. And the reason that's important to know about is your spinal cord also, of course, runs through your vertebra in, the, uh, in your body. And so if there's too much looseness between the bones, it can compress your spinal cord, which is a terrible thing because, 
you know, you, you, you depend on your spinal cord to move your arms and your legs and your whole rest of your body. And so, um, so it is known that in kids with Down syndrome, it is more likely for them to have that instability between the atlas and the axis. And so um, because of that, we used to do x-rays on all kids with Down syndrome at the age of about three, somewhere between three and five. And if that was normal, we actually used to repeat it again at 10. And then when they came out with the 1999 guidelines, they said, you know what, that's too much x-rays. Let's not do the one at 10. Let's just do the one between three and five. And then over the next 12 years, they collected a lot of information about um, atlantoaxial instability. And what they found out was that the x-ray really isn't very good at picking it up. And it's also sometimes too good at picking up things that aren't there. So you could say, for example, Johnny goes in for his uh, x-ray, he's four years old, x-ray is totally normal, and then he falls off the trampoline and he just suffers a traumatic neck injury. Well, what about that x-ray? It was normal. Well, it was just a point in time. It really doesn't pick up something that's dynamic like an atlantoaxial instability can be. And then, on the other hand, Sally goes in and she gets her x-ray and it says it's abnormal. And then she goes to see a neurosurgeon who gets an MRI. Well, MRI requires her to be sedated, so she's getting, you know, extra, you know, sedation that maybe she didn't need to get. The MRI comes back, and it says, oh, yeah, everything's normal. But the neurosurgeon says, you know what, let's just keep getting x-rays. And next thing you know, because of one x-ray that she probably didn't need to get in the first place, she's now gotten seven more x-rays in her life. And we wow. know that x-rays... They're not horrible in terms of radiation exposure, but if you don't have to get them, especially in a child who has an increased risk of thyroid problems already because of Down syndrome, you really don't want to have to x-ray them too often. And what they found over the last 12 years before they updated the guidelines in 2011 was they're just not very good studies, the x-rays, just not a very good study to pick up uh, atlantoaxial instability. So the recommendation now is if the child has any symptoms of atlantoaxial instability, and that would be neck pain, neck stiffness, like a tilt to the head to one side or the other, um, a um, arm or leg weakness that comes on all of a sudden, or if they were potty trained and all of a sudden now they're having accidents again. These are signs that there might be some sort of spinal cord compression, and those are kids who definitely should go pretty quickly to get an x-ray, if not just go right to the MRI. But otherwise, we don't do them on kids uh, who are asymptomatic anymore. We just take those histories and then we do exams of their neurologic system to but, make sure that everything's okay. But as a parent, you know, you want to know. You oh, yeah. rule it out. You want to say, can my, can my, for instance, my 5-year-old with Down syndrome wrestle with my 10 and my 12-year-old? Or, for instance, my 44-year-old child, which that would be me. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, she's like, well, you know, what, what if he has this thing? And you, how do you, you know, you kind of want to... You kind of want a certain answer. Is there any way to do that? Yeah, there really is no test to do it other than your doctor doing a, uh, a full neurologic exam, making sure that there's no signs of any um, neck instability. It's so rare. I mean, if you took um, uh, 100 kids with Down syndrome, 1% <clears throat> of them would have an abnormal X-ray. But of those ones that had an abnormal X-ray, it's even a smaller percentage, like 10 or 20%, that will actually truly have atlantoaxial instability. So it's a really rare condition. So if my, and if my math is right, that's one or two in a thousand. It is really rare, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so the, um, the, the, the goal is to look for those symptoms that may be indicative because it's pretty uncommon 
to have a completely asymptomatic child develop a symptomatic atlantoaxial instability from you know tumbling or wrestling or whatever else they might do. What we do try to avoid in kids, though, is things that could uh, uh, result from an uncontrolled fall. So we do tell families, you know, really, if you can't avoid the trampoline, trampolines are really <laughs> big money makers for ERs in general. Uh, but they, but they are also a big concern for us in the Down syndrome community because, you know, kids do silly things on trampolines. You know, they jump on each other. You know, the bigger person jumps on the smaller person, and next thing you know, they're having an uncontrolled fall right onto their head. You know, that is going to even if your child had a normal X-ray, if if they have a little bit of laxity in that joint, it could cause spinal cord issues. So we try to avoid things that might. You know, be an uncontrolled fall from a big height. Um, you know, if they if they say, "Oh, I love gymnastics," you know, maybe if they don't, if they're okay with avoiding the rings, you know, maybe do that. Or okay with avoiding the, gosh, what does my daughter do that? Those uneven bars or whatever. You know, you avoid those if you can, uh, because those those things are going to put your child with Down syndrome maybe at a little bit of a higher risk of neck injury. Yeah, our our um, our PT has. Uh Held off. My son has. They have gymnastics at, at the YMCA, this preschool, um, three times a week, I think. And she has, has recommended holding off on doing any kind of somersaults or anything like that um, for the for the until we have this test, basically. Yeah. And the hard part is this test is not going to tell you whether or not he should have he should do somersaults. And, and you know, this is the confusion that comes out from you know guidelines that were well intentioned when they first came out, but really weren't evidence based yet. And now as we look at the x-ray, it's really not a good test. And so, you know, the, the, there's, I tell families all the time, there's risks in everything we do. You know, they, uh, when, when they get in the car to come to see me at the clinic, you know, they could have had a car accident. And, the, you know, there could have been a traumatic neck, <laughs> neck injury on the car ride over. But, you, you know, you take that chance. And so I say to families, you know, if your child says, oh, I really want to be a football player, or I could play tennis, well, choose tennis. You know what I mean? It's like... <clears throat> it's, it, everything we do has to have some risk and benefit type of analysis. And so I, I, I tend not to tell families what to do and what not to do. I just tell them there's risks in everything that we do do. And we have to kind of choose as parents what we are willing to take as a, as a risk. But if, if your doctor, you know, does a full neurologic exam and, and says, you know, things check out just fine, I don't know that I would necessarily say, necessarily say toddler gymnastics is something they shouldn't do. I mean, that... I, I, there's there's such minimal risk to the neck in those types of you know they just kind of jump and you know do somersaults and that kind of stuff and I don't worry too much about that in terms of traumatic neck injury. Kids very commonly, even kids with Down syndrome, will avoid doing tasks that cause them pain. Imagine if you know I told you every time you bumped your elbow you were going to get a you know that 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 shock that goes down you know when you hit your funny bone. Mm -hmm. Imagine getting that through your whole body. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that thing anymore. Uh, you know, they would they would start to restrict that movement that causes that uh, symptom, and so that's kind of what we're looking for when we're asking those questions. Is you know, are they protecting their neck for some reason? And you used to think, oh, it's just because that's who he is. Well, maybe not. Maybe there is a, a neck issue. Well, does that, that make sense? I know it's a lot of words. Yeah. No, okay. no, that's All a right. that's a background in the answer. To be honest. Yeah. yeah. yeah the question is, how do you tell a three-year-old has a stiff neck? Well, I mean, not I'll tell you, you, you know, when I, when I, um, I've seen now three kids who have come in, and again, that's over the last uh, four and a half years now. I've had three kids that have had 
um, Atlanta Axial Instability that has been um, uh, to, to the point where they actually, de- you know, were, were developing symptoms. And the one girl came in, she was four years old, and she had her neck tilted over to the side. And uh, I said to the mother, you know, why, why is she doing that? It was my first time seeing her. I said, why, why is she doing that? Oh, you know, that's, that's her, you know, her, her torticollis, which, if you, you know, torticollis is something that babies get when they're, you know, six, seven months old. But you shouldn't have it when you're four years old. And I said, that's, that's odd. That's not torticollis. And, and we did the x-ray, and sure enough, I mean, she had terrible atlantoaxial instability, and mm-hmm. she was just protecting her neck. You know, another girl um, had a fall uh, down, the, uh, down the steps and uh, was brought into the ER, and sure enough, her x-ray showed pretty significant atlantoaxial instability. Probably after the, the fall, is, it, you know, it shook things loose in there. So, so you know, these are, these are some things that, um, you know, we need to keep in mind, of course, with every child we see. There isn't a child that comes through that I see in clinic that I don't do a full neurologic exam on because, you know, I want to I catch that if it's there. Because what a horrible thing to have, you know, happen to a child to, to, to have a traumatic spinal cord injury that could be prevented. So, unfortunately, the x-ray is just not the answer. And I wish, I wish we had a better answer. MRI probably is the best answer, but you're going to put a lot of kids under sedation. And then there's way too much risk in putting every child with Down syndrome through an MRI scanner. So, it's a, it's a tough question. It's a tough question we don't have fully answered just yet. All right. Well, you guys want to move on to, uh, uh, Rick, do you have a um, story of the week, or do you want to move straight on to moments? Uh, well, I think the story of the week is uh, October is Down Syndrome Awareness oh, Month, yeah. so, and this yeah. is a uh, great way to kick it off, and I think uh, all, we've all become a lot more aware about uh, things we didn't know about before this conversation, so thanks so much for being here with us. Yeah, sure, that was awesome. Oh sure, yeah, no problem. Well, hang on. We want you to, uh, if you don't mind, uh, yeah. We do our mo- we also do our moment of the week where we kind of share a funny thing or whatever. Maybe you have a, I don't know, something with even any of your other children or you know maybe a patient or whatever that was particularly cute. We tend to share one. Um, All right. But uh, uh, I want to mention. I don't know if anybody else's uh, buddy walk or step up for Down syndrome is this month as well. I know ours is uh, two weekends from now. Two weeks as well. Boardwalk, Buddy Walk, your Hobbit Beach, Delaware. We'll be there. All right, man. Right. Yeah, I think ours is, uh, I guess, is it three? It's the 19th, whatever it is. Whatever that is. A little bit more than two weeks. All right. And I guess I guess ours, ours wins. We're next weekend. The Dash for Down Syndrome here in Pittsburgh is uh, uh, next weekend. Dash for Down. We'll get your teams together. Yes, right. You know, don't wait till the last minute and uh, <laughs> have yourself a good time for that. You said it's Down Syndrome Awareness Month. Excellent. Okay, so who's got a who's got a story of a moment they want to share? Taking Kayla to school, and uh, she gets she's uh, second grade now, so you don't walk her up to the door, and so you drop her off at the curb, and she walks up, and and just uh, last Friday she walks up and sees another uh, girl that she goes to school with, and she's like, hey, she says we're from far away here, so you want to walk in with me, and. The girl's like, sure, Kayla, I'll walk with you. And they hold hands and walk up a really long sidewalk that goes up into the school together. And I think that was, I mean, when you see that as a parent, it's just like the coolest thing in the world because you're like, this is what I want. You know, I want every day to be like this. And you don't always think it's like that, but it feels like, you know, school's working out kind of well. And, and I'm really happy to see that with my daughter. So, so when, when, when she does the long walk, moment. when she does the long walk, does she turn around and look back at all? No. 
<laughs> Harsh man. <laughs> I know, Tough. Right? I was no. I was just talking to another parent. I was getting their kids getting ready to go to school, and I said, you know, you're like you want them to be sad that they're leaving you, and a lot of times they're like later, where they're like, oh man, you're here to pick me up. Oh, I don't want to go. You know, so <laughs> that, yeah, that's great. All right, Jason, you got one. Oh, I'm trying to come up with something. Uh, it's, it's things are things are going going very well here with Dexter. He's speaking like crazy and eating like a like a big kid and just just progressing um, amazingly over the last few months. Uh, so it's going it's going really great. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the um, you know we, we we celebrate all kinds of speech in, in our house and uh, we had. Uh, an incident in the in the I think we were in the car. That tends to be where all my um, all my swear words come out most of the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I as as often happens, a, a little I, I think something spilled or something in the car, and and I said I said shit, and Dexter, you know, and happily repeats things now, and and he just said shit papa and i was like oh that's great I was a, it was a it was a happy and isn't there a, and a song a, a, about that don't say that again moment isn't there a song about that the know. one about uh the uh, uh he steps on the brake too quickly and the kids is he's supposed to eat meat and his nuggets and they all go on the floor and he says a bad word god it's a country song my my brother <laughs> would know Anyway, so yes, uh, and there's that movie where they where, they, where they, he says it in front of the kid, and the kid starts saying the other word. I'll, I'll try to keep us with the clean tag, but uh, that was oh, the yeah. meet the parents or meet the whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Did you did you, were you able to communicate to him? That he wasn't supposed to say that again, or did he did he display that for yeah, Colette the second he, he got home? It just goes away, you know. If you don't make a big deal out of it, it doesn't, it doesn't last. Oh uh, yeah. At least at that age, if it was my daughter, she would. She would have told yeah. on. She would have ratted you yeah. out in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I mentioned Lucas talking like a like like a madman, and uh, we, our 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 dinner table conversations can be quite hectic with the <laughs> five of us around the table, and really, you know, Alex is what my, my different children are trying to each talk about their day at the same time. My my wife might be trying to communicate something that you know they need to be at this time by you know by seven or whatever. And poor Luke doesn't get much much chance or whatever. But he started picking up something that the older kids do. They'll say something like, uh, I have a question uh, or some other inter- interjection like that. Well, he started doing that. So we'll be having this you know, this conversation where it's, it's rapid fire, left, right, whatever. And he'll just jump in and say, he'll raise his hand and say, I have a question. <laughs> we just we all turn to That's him. That's awesome. And he tells, he tells the same story every time. It's, I don't know what the words are. It's got something to do with Lightning McQueen. And it ends with him holding both hands up and going, ah! yeah so we're trying to teach him like a a question that he can ask like how's your day daddy or whatever he's got you know he's got that one but we're trying to give him a stable of you know two or three good questions he can ask so that he can feel that he has the forum at least for a minute during this during the hectic dinner that's awesome uh i have a question light mcqueen blah 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 blah, down the thing (laughs) 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 everybody laughs same story every time sound bite uh you hey Uh, all right, Doctor Veloda, you get the um, you get the get the kind of gist of what we're doing here. You got a good. Uh, I didn't no, realize we right, we, we, I, we put I, you on I, the spot. I know. No, I've got I've always got stories. My goodness, I got four kids, and you know I got a work full of kids, so I got stories. I got, I got one that uh, just happened earlier this week. The um, 
the youngest son that I well, my only son. He's five years old, and we have a we have a game that we play in the in the house, me and the girls, and and and, uh, and my son. We we just run around and smack each other on the backside when the other person's not thinking that it's coming. And then we laugh hysterically because we think it's, it's the greatest game in the world. Real highbrow. So, you know, it, it's tough because they, they start coming up behind me and I have to pretend like I don't see them. And then I turn around and scare them, you know, because <laughs> here they come. Well, you think it's a uh, you know, pretty benign game or whatever. Well, my boy came home a couple of days ago and he was, you know, they have that green, yellow, red, you know, system of getting in trouble. And he came home on <laughs> yellow or... I think it was actually orange, like it was close to red kind of thing. And I, I said, what'd you do? And he said, oh, I, I hit a girl on her bottom. And I said, why would you do that? And he's like, well, that's, we were trying to play the game. And I was like, oh, man. So I went to the school the next day when I dropped him off. I was explaining to the teacher, you know. And that's really uncomfortable to explain to your kid's teacher that, you know, you, you, play, you play a game of, you know, spank the bottom <laughs> in your house. And he was just generalizing that a little bit. So we talked about you know who who you can smack on the bottom and who you can't. So, <laughs> but that was kind of you know it's hard not to laugh when you when your kid does something, generalizes something that they shouldn't. <laughs> right, You're just doing what you do every day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, um, anybody else? Oh, so let's see. Let's 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 plug a few things there, Doctor. All right. Okay, so as we mentioned at the top of the show, the podcast was, I lost it, I went to something else. <laughs> Hang on, I was, oh, I'm, I'm preparing to do the final song. So, uh, well, anyway, it is the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh, and uh, um, it is the, the Down Syndrome Center there. Yep. And, so you, uh, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you go to iTunes and you type in Down Syndrome, you'll see your podcast, and you'll see my podcast, Uh right next to each other there, and mine will be the ones with the 70s couch, as you guys have pointed out. And the, um, I love it. And the, uh, but if you wanted to get to it, you could get to it right through the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh website, which is www.chp.edu slash dscpodcast. Um, and then you can find our podcasts uh, uh, there uh, available as well. So it's Down Syndrome Center of Western Pennsylvania podcast. That's right. It is, yeah. And uh, there are 18 episodes, so go ahead and uh, uh, give them a subscribe and uh, a rating review. Um, uh, feel free to give us one, too. Uh, and then do you have anything coming up, or you want to warn people in the Pittsburgh area to come see you or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we see kids from all over, to be honest with you. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if you guys are if you're in the area and you're looking for a Down Syndrome Center, I think uh, even just coming for a one-time uh, check is sometimes something that families will do um, and uh, be happy to see you. Just uh, uh, easiest thing is just to call um, our office number, which is 412-692-7963, and you can make an appointment uh, there. If, uh, if you're interested, I'd be happy to, uh, to see you. All right. Well, I did find this other song that I wanted to, but I think we'd have to, somebody would have to stall for me while I download it. <laughs> Enough. You're inspired. I am inspired. So, so Kishore, uh, your buddy walk coming up—that's funding the Down Syndrome Center of Western Pennsylvania. It's actually—it's actually run by the Down Syndrome Association, which is the parent group that I was talking about earlier in the podcast. And then, uh, through the uh, loving goodness of their hearts, uh, they uh, donate a portion of what they make every year 
through a variety of different events that they do um, to the to the Down Syndrome Center. They've been very generous, and it's why we are able to do what we do. That's fantastic. All right, I'm yeah. almost there. So is the center like a full full seven days a week thing, or, or I know the one here is kind of reserved like once or twice a month. Yeah, we we um, have um, clinic about um, ten, uh, sorry five five days a month that are scheduled. But then, you know, we add on here and there. If a family needs to get in, we get them in. Um, so um, it it, it uh, it's the center is funny. It's me and my coordinator Sheila Cannon, who's been doing this for the last uh, ten fifteen years. And um, and we have a part time nurse, so we call it a center. But my goodness, uh, between the between the two and a half of us, uh, we we see a lot of patients. But uh, we all we all love what we do. So, and are you doing yearly visits with people? We try to. Um, you know, when the kids get a little bit older, like into the teenage years, uh, you know, they're doing well enough. I usually see them every two years at that point. And then we actually have this is pretty unique. We have an adult uh, center as well, where we once the kids get to be about eighteen. We send them over to another doctor who takes over the adult health care uh, after that. So it's a it's a full lifespan center. And that seems to be a hot topic now too, right? So oh, transitioning yeah. and yeah. secondary yeah. education and what are you doing with you from a health perspective later in life because people are living longer now. That's right. There's a whole, there's a whole host of uh, health problems that you weren't even seeing before now that That's they're right. just kind of coming up. That's right. All right. Well, it sounds like a good reason to have you back on the show. Yeah, I'd be happy to. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, um, we are the Downright Awesome Dads. We would thank you for spending an hour with us or so. I uh, hope you learned something tonight. I uh, hope you have a great time at your buddy walk. You can find us at uh, uh, downrightawesome.com um, slash DSR and uh, leave us a comment there. Or you can find us on iTunes, uh, uh, as Dr. Bloody mentioned, under Down Syndrome. Find both of us, two for one. We'd love a, we'd love a good review there. Uh, and then uh, there you go. Have a great month of October. Thank you so much for spending time with us, Kishore. Oh, yeah. It's been a real pleasure. Driving through town, just my boy and me, with a happy meal in his booster seat. No one man couldn't so have the toy till his nuggets were gone. <laughs> a green traffic light turned straight to red. I hit my brakes and mumbled under my breath. His fries went a flying and his orange drink covered his lap. Remember the orange drink you used to get with McDonald's? <laughs> well, in my four-year-old said a four-letter word. It started with S, and I was concerned. So I said, son. Now where'd you learn to talk like that? He said, I've been watching you, Dad. They're definitely watching us. <laughs> That's a great song. They're definitely watching the other kids in their class. They're watching everything. And grow as tall as you are. We got cowboy boots and camo pants. Yeah, we're just like, hey, ain't we dad? watching all right gentlemen thank you so much all right we'll talk to you later all right thank you thank you all right bye-bye